so much for coming and continuing to fellowship. Uh, I haven't had any rocks thrown at me yet, so that's always a good sign, although it's a new week, so we'll see. Um, go ahead and open with me the uh, book of James. We're going to be in chapter 1, uh, starting in verse 2 through 8. And that's not a proper headline. Um, proper perspective was last week, but that's okay. And before I get started, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to pray for us briefly one more time. Oh, Father God, I thank you so much for this gathering. I thank you for your body, Lord, that there's only one that consists of all those who in every place call upon Jesus Christ, the Lord, both ours and theirs. And Lord, I thank you that in this morning, Father, in this place that you're with us, that you fill us with your spirit, that you never leave us or forsake us, Father, that your power is here and present and active, Lord God. And I pray that we would be present and active to receive all of your word, Lord. And we pray a special blessing upon our brother and our sister who traveled here to see us, that they would return with joy, Father, that they would return refreshed, full of the Spirit, ready to engage the church there in the woodlands, Lord God. And we just thank you. We thank you for all that you do for us. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. This morning, we're going to be talking about um, the importance, the importance of of building a stable faith, right? What does it mean to have a stable faith? You know, today, um, I think a lot of times, a lot of children are leaving the church and a lot of people are, are, are being deceived and misled, even in the churches, you know? And it's, it just is what it is. We can do our best to, to simply preach the word, the word of God the best we can and, and to declare truth, um, but I think a lot of times people come into this life as a Christian with misconceptions, right? And even, even as Christians and, and knowing the right answers and having the right doctrine, sometimes kind of just subconsciously we, we fall away or we, we kind of slide off from what we know to be true, from what those practices are spiritually that strengthen us. And it can cause a lot of, a lot of uh, instability, a lot of turmoil in our life, and I was thinking and praying about this this morning, and uh, how how this kind of is represented in our lives. And I want you to think about this. I want you to just imagine for a second that you grew up in a beautiful home, lots of other children. Everything was provided for you: your meals, your clothes, right? Everything was perfect. But I also want you to consider that you've never really met anybody in the outside world. You've never seen anybody work a job. You've read, you have this idea that, you know, yes, you're going to be an adult one day. You're going to have a car. You're going to have nice clothes, right? You're going to have lots of friends, opportunities, because as a kid, there's not a whole lot you can do. You know, you're in school and things. So you have this idea of an adult life and all the, the benefits and the blessings of growing up. And, uh, you grow up in this system. And like I said, everything's there. And then one day you turn 18 and you're excited that this life is going to begin, right? And they put you on a bus, and they drive you into the real world, and they drop you off, and they leave. And suddenly, you have no place to stay. And you're like, well, where's my house? And the people are like, I don't know. Where is your house? And you're like, well, I'm hungry. Like, where's the food? Well, I mean, why don't you go buy some? Well, wh- buy some? What do, you, what do you mean, buy some? 
I don't have a job, right? And so you were, you had, you were, you were unprepared. No one ever told you that the, the things that were being provided for you that someone was paying for. No one ever told you someone was working. No one ever told you that the adults in this facility actually had responsibilities and there were things going on and, and they were being paid. You were not prepared for the adult life. You had this image, but you weren't, <laughs> you had no idea what was going to come with it, right? How like completely shocked and dumbfounded would you be in that moment in a whole new world? You could be standing right in front of a building that had all the resources in it. It had counseling. It had job training. It had housing support. It could have everything. But you didn't even know you needed those things. And so you didn't reach out for them. And you were just suddenly dumbfounded. You didn't know what to do. I want you just to keep that picture in your head for a moment. And I want to read to you uh, James 2 through 8. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But... Let him ask in faith with no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Amen. You know, I think a lot of times, and when I say we, I just mean the church as a whole right? Because we're part of the church as a whole. We're part of the, the, the sides we like. We're part of the sides we don't like. And there's a we, right? We as a church, sometimes we bring people into the kingdom and we, and we, we, we bring them into this life with that type of false expectancy, right? They, they, they get this joy in their life, this idea of salvation, that they're going to have a supernatural relationship with God. They're going to live forever. And those things are true, right? And they hear, oh, the Lord's going to bless me. The Lord's going to provide for me. The Lord's going to give me strength, right? We hear their, their sermons, like, oh, he's going to steal your waters, you know? He's going to defeat your giants. And that's all true. That's all true. But we can do a really bad job of preparing people for the fact that when they are birthed into this new life, and yes, God is, is the God of provision, and God is the God of blessings, and God is the one who leads you and gives you supernatural strength, that there's also a work to be done, that there's a job, that there's a place for you in his body, that there's a ministry, there's a gift that is only useful if you're willing to serve people. We forget to tell them that, hey, you're saved, that Jesus is always with you, and by the way, life still kind of sucks sometimes, Right? By the way, bad things still happen. By the way, when Jesus, you know, the Holy Spirit empowered David to destroy the giant, there was a giant because they were in a war, <laughs> right? And they were spent the previous time before that one little story we focus on in fear and trembling before this giant. 
And we forget to tell people that there's this life that we have to walk and know that God has resources. We don't equip them and explain to them how to access those resources. And so suddenly this, this, this Christian is excited and they're, oh, the Holy Spirit, and oh, yes, I just, they're flooded with the feelings of forgiveness and they're baptized, you know, and they've got everybody around them and then we whoop off the bus. And they're standing out in the crowded city of life and like, you know, they're, suddenly they're, they lost their job and they're figuring out how to pay rent, right? And then their family is, is angry at them, doesn't want to hear about them, talk about Jesus anymore, is telling them to get out right? They're going through, through struggles and depression is trying to find its way back into their heart. And they're like, what the heck is all this? What is all this? What about the blessing? What about the provision? What do you mean I got to serve somebody? <laughs> right? What do you mean I got to serve somebody? Because they haven't been properly equipped and prepared. We we can have this really false like image of what Christianity looks like sometimes. And I think a lot of people coming into the faith step into the faith with that expectation. Now, I will be fair. It's not always the church's fault. Sometimes it's just people, you know, we are, we, we're predisposed to look at all the things that are good, Right? When you think about the next job and your next opportunity and what this thing could look like, you're always thinking about how good it's going to be for you. You never look at, oh, it's all going to fall apart. So, but it is our job to recognize that reality and to, to be more diligent, to be more diligent to equip our brothers and sisters to overcome the evil one, right? And that's the kind of the last thing about this analogy. So now we've got this person no expectation of working, no, no understanding of, of the resources available to them, not understanding how to, how to provide for themselves in this situation and walk this, this new life. And now they're walking down aimless, no idea that there's enemies following closely behind and setting snares up in front of them. And so they fall and they hit the ground, they're wounded and they have no idea what to do. We need to prepare people we need to be prepared. We need to live soberly, and we need to prepare the church to walk in the resources, to call on the resources, to learn how to receive the blessings, and to overcome the enemy. I want to start back in verse 2 here. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. I love that verse. That's one of my favorite verses in the Bible. It's, it's been so true in my life and the verse after. Um, but it's kind of a really weird verse too, you know? Hey, Mark, I just want you to know uh, your car's gonna break down, your daughter's gonna get sick, and you're gonna be tempted to be really, you know, angry. Uh, your boss is gonna take out all his anger at you at work. But hey, be joyful, brother. Amen. Be joyful. Yeah. And we're like... What did you just say to me? Are you dumb? <laughs> what? But James tells us, no, brethren, listen to me. Count it as joy when you fall into various trials, knowing. Knowing. You know what part of the, the armor of God is? The belt of truth. It's the belt of truth, right? Belt, right? Okay, got that right. <laughs> I'm like, I think so. <laughs> 
the belt of truth, right? And knowing and understanding who God is, his plans for you, how his kingdom is going to operate and what your place is in it, that's truth. And being found in that truth protects us, right? Knowing that when these trials come, the trials comes, that they're simply tests of your faith. They're just tests. It's not the end of the world, right? It's not going to just destroy you forever. It's a test, and God is actually allowing it in your life to produce patience in you. Now, we hear all the time, well, you know, God didn't, you know, God didn't do that. You know, there's just, these things happen and blah, blah, blah. And I can agree with those statements in some, in some sense, but I don't want to fool you and I don't want to preach something soft to make you feel good without telling you the truth. And the truth is that God is in control of all things. And if something happened, bad or good, God is sovereign over all of it. And if, there, if that causes a hurt, because something hurtful happened to you, I understand, and I want to be sensitive to that, but I'd also love to talk to you, because there's a security in knowing that God is greater than those things, and his control of those things, that casts out, that casts out and heals those wounds. God is control of all things, right? And knowing that trials, when they come into our life, that they're just a test, that should really help us. But I want you to repeat something with me real quick. Can I get some audience interaction here this morning? Okay, I want everybody to repeat after me. Trials are coming. One more time. Trials are coming. Okay. I don't want to leave you mis- uh, misinformed, right? Uninformed. Trials, it's not trials may come, trials might come. Be really good and spiritual, less trials come. It's trials are coming. You might be saved, you might exist spiritually in the kingdom of God, but you still live in a fallen world. And buddy, that is life. Part of life. We have a greater life to come, right? When those trials are wiped away forever and we stand in the victory of Christ Jesus. Thank the Lord. But trials are coming. But you know, the fact that Jesus tells us, man, those are tests, that's encouraging for me. Some of y'all are like, man, I hate school. That's not encouraging at all. But... (laughs) But, you know, what is, a, what is a test? When you're in school, we all have some level of education. We all understand what a test is, right? Um, they give you the information beforehand. They give you the equipping beforehand. And if we can learn to be good students of Jesus Christ, good disciples, he has already given us. The Ephesians says we have every spiritual play, uh, blessing in Christ in the heavenly places, already, already available to us. His word is already declared the beginning and the end right? He's already has the victory. He's given us a body to support us, to encourage us. He tells us to confess our sins, to be in the light so there's no hidden thing that Satan can work in in our life. And you know, a test comes to strengthen and to test your understanding. And it's to prepare you for the next season of life. That's all it's for. It's not a horrible thing. And the better we become as students, and I know because I've you know, went to school, went to college, and, you know, blah, blah, blah. So I've had tests. And the better I got as a, as a student, the less worried I was about the tests. Because I realized, man, if I would just, like, really pay attention to what my teacher's saying right now, and if maybe I just, like, studied a little bit and, like, meditated on these things, I would probably learn to understand them. And if I understood them, when the test came, 
C, A, B, D, done. And typically, that was my test life. Thank you, Lord. I didn't have to study much. I could just remember for whatever weird reason. Um, you know, and the only people that are consistently afraid of tests and that are really concerned about these things are the people that are sleeping, man. They're asleep. They're ignoring the words being spoken to them. They're ignoring the instruction. They're not practicing what they're being taught. They are dead asleep in class. And then the test comes, and they get a 69, they get a 50, and they're like, oh, my gosh, well, I got a 50. And I'm like, dude, I couldn't hear the teacher over your snoring. What are you talking about? What are you whining about, bro? You know, Jesus tells us and warns us to be awake and to not be sleeping. Jesus is our teacher. He is our master. And his study guide's pretty good. <laughs> pretty good study guide. And he tells us, just like he told Mary, and Martha, Mary was just sitting there. Martha was worried about many things. She was cleaning. She was busy. She was doing good things. She was doing what she should have done as a host. But Mary decided just to sit at his feet. And just to be in his presence and just to hear his words. And Jesus said, Martha, one thing was needed, was needed. Mary chose it, and it will not be taken from her. As we learn just to hear Jesus' word, as we grow as disciples and students, we understand his words. It prepares us for these tests. And tests comes, and guys, they get easier and easier because we're equipped and we're ready. We're ready. And sometimes really hard test comes, and there's that extra temptation to be nervous, right, to be stressed. I get it. Tests are sometimes very hard. But Christ is a good teacher. His office hours are always open. He provides personal tutoring to all of his students, right? He has already revealed himself to us. He calls us his friends. The Bible says he's unashamed to be called our brother. He just wants us to go to him, right? And all of this is happening for our good. I, I was talking to a girl afterwards, um, after my, my message in, in Corpus, she came up to me and was sharing this, this girl. She had been having dreams, and they were the first time, it was a very long, vivid dream, and the next day, literally everything happened exactly as she saw it, and she was terrified terrified because she didn't know if this was God or demons or didn't know why the dream happened. It was just terrified. She had to told the pastor's wife. The pastor's wife laughed in her face, she said. And she just had these dreams and didn't know what to think of them and was afraid to share them because what if I'm wrong? All these things. So we were talking about, uh, about that and what the Lord was doing in her life. Um, but one of the things she said, she says, you know, I just don't want Satan to use these against me. I was like, well, what do you mean? And she's like, well, I, I prayed one time. I had a dream about my, my husband and I, and we were having a fight. And this Something was happening, and I prayed about it. And sure enough, that exact fight happened. And I didn't know the words. And she, I don't think she knew the words in the dream, so, but she knew there was a fight, and it happened. You know, and, and it was funny because she's telling me the answer. And she's just unaware of it. And she's saying, but, you know, the God it, through that revealed this issue in my marriage to me that I didn't even know was there. And she's like, and, you know, it's, we're still working on it, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. I was like, why are you afraid of that? It's like, don't give Satan the credit for that. I was like, do you not, are you missing the grace of God in your life? 
God brought this trial to you because there was this hidden issue in your heart that you didn't even know was there, and now it's being worked out. And now your marriage is growing, and growing pains hurt. I got a brother over here who's getting his wisdom teeth still coming in, and he's over there groaning all oh, my tooth. And I'm like, ha ha, mine already came in, ha ha. Uh, it hurts, right? But I'm like, dude, don't you understand that's God's mercy on you? Because if that didn't come out now, it could have came out later and might have destroyed your marriage. Man, God is strengthening your marriage through this. Rejoice in that. Just pray into that. Be faithful to that, right? But let, so the testing of your faith, it's producing something. It's producing patience. Patience in you before the Lord to not be moved by every attack, every wind of the world. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. That is a promise of God. God's purpose is to make us complete and whole. I remember when I learned this, I was having an issue, and it was just mourning in my heart, and I was praying and praying and, and trying to contain my own fallen reaction to the situation and uh, I, I went to the Sozo home because I was still ministering to them and I had all the brothers pray for me and we worshiped and I went back to my house and I opened up to James chapter one and I read that verse right there. And it was just speaking to my life. I said, okay, Lord, thank you. Thank you for this trial. Thank you for this because the reason this hurts is because there's something missing. There's something broken in this situation and in my life. And because you said this, I, you have to fix it. This trial's happening because you're going to fix it. And I worshiped in my house, and I went through my house, and I prayed alone. And that day, that issue got resolved. Not by me, by the Lord. His promise is that he's making us perfect and complete. Complete. Now, Again, trials are coming, right? Trials are coming. The guy in my really cheesy story I told earlier didn't know trials were coming. He got off the bus and was lost in darkness, right? We're not in darkness. We're children of the light, baby. Woo! Rejoice in that. If you have no idea that these trials are coming, if you don't know what you need to be prepared for, if you don't know wor what works ahead of you, you can be standing right in front of the resource office and not even know to go in, right? We have a resource in heaven. He sits at the right hand of God. He is the Son of God, the Word of God in flesh. He is our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and He is a present help in a time of need. And the Bible says, as these trials come, and as they're difficult, if any of you lacks wisdom, if you lack wisdom, if you find yourself unsure of what to do, what to say, how to handle it, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach. Man, go to the Lord. Ask him. You know, how many times do we have, you know, this, oh, well, God helps those who help themselves. I'm like, what? No, no, no. This isn't a do your best and go to God later so he can clean up the mess. This is like, hey, maybe if I go to God first, I won't have the mess, right? 
The Christian life is supposed to look like this. Not like this. Because God is always pulling you out when it's been too late. No, God desires for us to come to him and the life of faith, a true faith, a stable faith, produces action towards God. I believe, therefore, I spoke, right? I do because I trust. I pray because I actually believe there's a God in heaven who hears me. That's why I pray. And that's not a sermon, one-liner. That's me just being real. That is why I pray. And God is saying, when you lack wisdom, ask me. And I'm going to give it more. I'm going to give you more than you ask, liberally. And without reproach, I'm not going to, you know, kick you out of my room and say, you know, I, I, man, that's, I'm a dad, right? And I'm like getting work mode and my kids come in, daddy, and I'm like, get out of my room. I'm typing, you know, and I get a little flustered sometimes. I have to go out there. Okay, buddy, what do you want? You know, God's not like that. God's way better of a dad than I am, okay? He's always willing to have us come to him. But it says, let him ask in faith with no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man and unstable in all his ways. I just want to tell you guys, if your faith is unstable, every part of your life will be unstable. If you surrender to the Lord and if you seek him and ask him for wisdom, if you listen to the teacher's instructions, you spend some time in a study guide, and your faith becomes stable, every part of your life will be stable. Okay? Because faith is a substance of things hoped for, right? It's knowing that we have already the things we need before we can see them because God is the provider and he promised to give them. That is faith. It's something that's unchangeable, unbreakable, and that we hold on to in Christ Jesus through everything. And Jesus says, if you build your house on my rock, if you lay a foundation, if you understand my word and my will and you have the expectation of those things coming to you, and you stand on that rock, and you do according to that word, those winds will come, the rains will fall, but your house will remain. But if you do not build on the rock, and that's the obedience to Jesus' words, that's what he was saying, the obedience to his teachings. If you don't build on that rock, guess what? The winds are coming, the rains are coming, and everything you've built will crumble. Crumble. So guys, when you're going through trials, remember, tell yourself. I have to tell myself this. Man, this is a test, and thank you, Lord, for the test. I don't know what you're doing, but you're doing something good. So Jesus, give me the faith to be faithful in this trial. To be faithful in this trial. Does anybody in here just want to be faithful to Jesus? Man, let me tell you something. You need his help. Guys, let's pray. Father God, I thank you so much, Lord, that you're good. Father, that you have already declared the end from the beginning. Lord, you are the Alpha and the Omega. Lord, you are, you've called yourself our Father and us your children. And Lord, you love us so dearly. And Father, you don't allow us to go through um, 
these hurtful or negative experiences in vain, Lord. But you use all things together for our good because, Lord, you're strengthening us, you're building patience, and you're equipping us for the next season of work. So Jesus, help us be patient. Help us be faithful in the trial. And teach us to turn to you and to cry out for wisdom first, Lord knowing that you answer. And if anyone here lacks faith, Father God, I pray that you strengthen that faith, Lord, that you give them good relationships that love you, that are gonna sow into them, Lord, that you convict their heart to read and to pray and to cry out. And Lord, we know that you are the author and the finisher of our faith. So we put our trust wholly in you. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.